Fortnite in Film is a podcast where every week you get the chance to listen in on a group of film lovers chatting about the great, or not so great, movies that we've been watching over the past fortnight. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Fortnite in Film. I'm your host, Jason. And I am your co-host, Christian. Thanks for tuning in. Heads up, the films we're about to discuss may contain spoilers. For a list of the movies we cover this week, check out the description. So let's let's transition onto our first film, which is Sunset Boulevard, uh, which was my pick from uh, 1950. I'm surprised. It felt like a felt like a George pick. I've owned the DVD forever, and I've just never got around to watching it. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll finally watch it for the podcast we can discuss it good choice man yes it is very much yeah. of of george's it era. is very much of george's era so directed by uh billy wilder who i'm sure anybody who knows anything about film um you know knows that name well i think we've talked about one of his other films before we talked about some like it hot on the podcast before which is uh another film of his so it stars uh william holden and gloria swanson they're sort of the two main stars so it actually starts off with death so there's a there's a guy dead floating in the swimming pool the movie sort of cuts back to the start so there's a, a screenwriter called joe he he tries to to sell this story to paramount pictures uh, they're not interested there's people after him who are trying to repo his car so he, he escapes from them and he turns into the driveway of this big old hollywood mansion and he thinks it's empty because it's sort of all um deserted and a bit decrepit he comes to find out that this woman lives there called norma desmond he finds out that she is a former star of hollywood she was big in the silent era and now i mean we're never actually told when this is set but clearly it's set like once the talkies have come along as such and she's sort of you know faded out into obscurity because there's a lot of people you read about who were really big in the silent era and then you know talkies came along and they just yeah, either couldn't adapt or, or didn't like the change in the format, which I am fa- I'm actually quite fascinated with as an idea, like a, an idea of history. Like, a, oh my God, to, you know, what a quaint idea. She realizes he's he's a, a screenwriter. She wants him to work on and submit this script that she has written to Paramount. He moves in with her at her insistence. It's, it's sort of this um, weird, I don't want to say parasitic, but it's sort of this thing of where like she, he's there at her insistence and he buys, a, she she buys him all these things and, and you know, treats him like a partner, even though he isn't. At the same time this is happening, he, he, he sort of finds it all a bit overwhelming and he sort of, on New Year's Eve, he uh, goes out to a party. It's Betty Schaefer. It's Betty Schaefer who is with his... Uh, friend Artie. Yeah, she was. She charmed me. Mm. Is it just me? No, yeah, she was. She. Uh, I was. I was like her charms <laughs> would have worked on me, but at the same time, uh, Norma Desmond's money would have worked on me just as easily. Um, sorry, couldn't couldn't help but point that out. Both very effective characters for a, a man like me. So he he starts working on. Well, he starts actually working on one of his stories, I believe. Uh, with Betty getting that script ready at the same time as he's working on Norma's. So Norma gives her her script to um, uh, Cecil B. DeMille. Played by actual Cecil B. DeMille. Mm, yes. 
actual I mean, he's he's sort of uh, acknowledged as you know the founding father of American cinema, especially of the epics. Mm, yeah, he was one of the first big like epics director, and I have not seen most of his stuff, but I, I'm aware of him by reputation. And, and seeing him in the movie, I was like, "Is that really him?" And I looked up, and it really is him. And I'm like, "Wow, he makes me—he's like a warm grandfatherly figure." Like I, I really liked him playing himself. It, it, it's revealed that you know Paramount was so Paramount's been calling Norma. Um, she thinks it's because they love her script so much. It's actually because they just want to rent her, her old car out for a movie or something. Um, yeah. Which is... That's kind of sad. <laughs> so, but Norma is led to believe, oh, they love the script so much and they're going to cast you and this is going to be your comeback. Although she says she hates the word comeback, use the word return. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be her big, big return to the screen. It's revealed to her that no... They they don't want you. They're not interested. They think the script is awful, and you know she during this whole time she's very jealous of Joe seeing Betty talking to Betty, really leaving the house, really not being with her twenty four seven. She gets mad over the fact that you know there's no there's no acting return. He's seeing this other woman, uh, and she shoots him dead. Um, and then the film sort of catches up to itself. And, you know, we're taken to that moment where he's dead in the pool. Starts from there. Because um, the rest, you know, what we were seeing up to that point was all a flashback. She's sort of so deluded by this point. You know, there's all these police and reporters and cameras there. They're obviously there to arrest her for shooting him. She thinks they're there to, you know, take her picture. And, and uh, yeah, they're, they're there to film, film the film. Um, and the film is going to be filmed right there. And so she, you know, she walks down a staircase and, and she, she makes a speech and, and she says, all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close up." Man, we've all been ready for a close-up at one point. <laughs> um, yeah, what what did you think? Because I have a lot to say, but why don't you go first? Keep it going. Yeah, look, I thought it was a really good film. I gave it four stars. So yeah, I thought it was great. I, I don't, you know, it, it's sitting up there as one of the best films ever i mean it, it's the 35th highest ranked film on letterboxd shit i didn't realize it was that high up uh, elsewhere it's sitting at on rotten tomatoes it's 98 percent um with an average rating of 9.5 out of 10 so it's um but what did you think yeah i know i i'm just i'm just giving the context <laughs> <laughs> so no I, I i thought it was really good so my my comparison and i've sort of i spoke about this a couple episodes ago um, with George, how I've sort of, I've taken to like comparing, like if I'm looking at a film and I'm sort of thinking about how to rate it, I try and think of another film that sort of like it. And then I think, okay, what did I think of that film? And then that sort of colors my views on this film. So my comp for this film is Whatever Happens to Baby Jane. Now, I do think that is a better film than Sunset Boulevard. I'm sure some people would disagree, but I think that film was absolutely fantastic. Five star, incredible. This is similar to that because it is about this fading or faded star who was once, you know, a big name and now they're sort of nobody, people have forgotten them. They're living in this big mansion all by themselves as such. And it ends with, as just baby Jane, it ends with, you know, they're both so deluded by this point that they think the people there are there for them to see them perform, right? So at the end of Baby Jane, Jane is is dancing 
on the beach because she thinks all, all the people there are, you know, there to see her perform and dancing actually there there because they're just gawking at her because she's this, you know, crazy delusional old woman. Uh, it's a similar thing at the end of Sunset Boulevard, right? Gloria, I'm not Gloria, that's her real name. Uh, Norma is, um, you know, so deluded. She, she, she doesn't even realize that the cameras there are not the film cameras who are filming Salome, which is the film she, she wrote the script for. They're there to take pictures of her getting arrested. But she's so far gone, she can't even realize that. So that would be my comparison. I thought the story was good. It, it's sort of like Baby Jane in that I'm like, can I see that happening? Maybe. You know, it is somewhat far-fetched, but I'm like, you know... Yeah, it's meant to be a, a drama. Well, know? exactly. I'm like, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe there are people out there who are, who, who are like this, you know? It's like, we have we have QN on now. I believe anything. I believe people are capable of anything at this point, so... <laughs> I thought Gloria Swanson was terrific. She was sort of a standout for me. I mean, not that I disliked William Holden's performance. I thought he was good, but I thought Gloria Swanson was did great at playing this, you know character who sort of who vacillated between you know being pathetic in her you know refusal to accept reality that her career was over and then you know terrifying because of just how jealous and unstable she is you know she was this delusional tragic character and I thought that's the first film I'd seen Gloria Swanson in um and I thought she did um outstanding Elsewhere, I mean, you know, I've, as I've said about a hundred times, I don't like narration in films, but I thought here it worked. I thought Joe was like, he sort of guided the audience and it was in this sort of like witty, observant way. So I felt like it actually helped that we had that narration. I mean, you know, I, I thought the, the, the score was great. I thought the script was great. I mean, so the only other Billy Wilder film I've seen is Some Like It Hot, but I've heard that a lot of his films, you know, they're renowned for their great writing. And I thought that was on, on display here. So yeah, so to me, it's totally, you know, good film uh do i think it's one of the best ever no um but definitely an enjoyable watch what about you what were your thoughts i don't add movies to my top 25 list very often in fact i don't think i'm even at 25 movies on my top 25 list i think it's sitting at like 20 movies because that's how selective i'm trying to be i need to sleep on it but this might be a new addition to that list because i is a five-star film for me i absolutely adored it i thought it was fantastic um one of the things that that i came away with was i had to look it up because i of course i'm only passingly i'm only familiar with so many silent film era movies and it's really not a big list um but how meadow this movie is did you look this up no she okay so she was a silent film era star um gloria swanson and she did a ton of movies with cecil b demille and I mean, if you, you read her bio, even on Letterboxd, she was one of the most prominent stars during the silent film era as both an actress and a fashion icon, especially under the direction of Cecil B. DeMille. Made dozens of silence and was nominated for the first Academy Award in the Best Actress category. In 1929, um, Swanson successfully transitioned to talkies with a film called The Trespasser. However, personal problems and changing tastes saw her popularity wane during the 1930s when she moved into theater and TV. Um, and, and today she is best known as Norma Desmond. Um, it, it's, she, it's really kind of a commentary on her own career. And she got to work with, with Cecil B. DeMille, who it sounds like actually had the relationship they do in the film. It was it starts to become a much more personal film when you think about it. 
um, it, it, even the timeline adds up because of course she's a contemporary that th- this is, this is like a film about her, but it's also a film about her. Well, I was going to say it's a similar, and I keep bringing up with baby Jane, but it's similar to that film because Betty Davis, I mean, I don't know that much about Betty Davis, but I believe her career had sort of downturned in a sense, you know, from her sort of glory days of the thirties and, and the forties. When she did whatever happened to Baby Jane in 1962, it's it sort of you know now you mention it, it's it's an even more of an apt comparison because like you know you mentioned Gloria Swanson is sort of playing a version of herself here. I mean Betty Davis is sort of playing a version of herself here. I mean Betty Davis is not a is not a a, a murderous <laughs> psychopath. Um, well, you don't know that. I I, I, I like to think she's a, a, a nice lady. The celebrities tend to have this image projected. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> of not being murderous psychopaths. Right? Um, but, you know, that's a similar thing to her, where she she was playing this sort of washed-up former star as she sort of was of time, and then that film went to such success that it sort of renewed her career. So it's an interesting... I, I didn't know that about Gloria Swanson, so that's an interesting point. But, and, and I think it's a brave sound, she's strong a word, but I think it's, it, it's good in a sense she was willing to play that version of herself because she was like yeah this is me i'm this washed up star i'm not this big name i was in the in the silent film era you know i think it takes a lot of um you have to be very comfortable with yourself to be able to play that role i think because i think a lot of people their ego would stop them and they'd say no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna portray that person on screen yeah no i'm I'm surprised when someone with a reputation like that will do this because you are inviting when you play something at personal, you are inviting um, a look-see into your personal history. Um, I, honestly, I, I felt like this was such a modern-feeling concept to do a film like this the more I learned about it. Um, you know, you, you get a lot of meta-commentary stuff now. Um, satires about the genre or, or even stuff where actors do play themselves in ridiculous situations, uh, like, like, like being John Malkovich, for example. Um, so th- this this is not new necessarily. It's just I didn't expect it from a film from the what is it fifty yeah nineteen fifty. Um, th- this feels ahead of its time. It really does. And you, on the more nitty gritty scale, I loved absolutely loved everyone in this movie. Um, William Holden as uh, uh, Joe Gillis was amazing. Um, he, he had this infectious sort of personality, uh, his monologuing, which I'm normally not a fan of worked super well here because it had sort of like a noir feel, but more than that, the, the screenwriter is narrating it. And the whole thing feels like one of his scripts. You feel like you're reading a really good script. You feel like this could be the script that he was working on with, uh, with Betty, Schra- uh, with Schrader. Yeah. Schaefer. Sorry with Betty Schaefer, like this could have been the script, you know, this, this could have been it. Um, it was just very compelling. It was very pithy and well-written and, uh, the dialogue was just snappy and back and forth and, and really clever, especially from him really, but, but from everyone else, um, Betty Schaefer felt like she was supposed to be almost like a supporting cast member, but she was just so infectiously charming. I, I was like, Oh, ooh, I would have been, butter on bread around her i mean she was she was just like charming uh, everyone was just charming um even gloria swanson like her performance got more real and more 
God, I mean, almost philosophical, like towards the end. But but the beginning, she starts off as this kind of silly figure, less pitiable, but more kind of just way over the top and, you know, chin up, eyes wide sort of stance with everything. Something about this character that she channeled, I don't know how much of it was herself, but it worked for me. Um, she did an amazing job. I loved watching her work. She, it was incredible. And and then to find out, you know, that there, that there may be a lot of her own story kind of parallel, like running parallel to this, that, that there's quite a bit mirrored. And that she was willing to take this big risk of this this sort of meta commentary film about her own career could translate well to a lot. Of, it's my understanding that a lot of these silent film eras had had difficulty uh, transferring to you know transitioning to films where you can hear sound and talking, which is in a very interesting concept for me um, because it, it's almost quaint by modern standards. But if this was a real problem, um, I wonder how many people felt you know, to use a modern term like scene with this kind of contemporaries at the time, people in 1950, a lot of these aging actors, not that 50 is old, but you know, a lot of these aging actors who were big film stars in the silent era. I wonder how I kind of want to, it's gotta be like a book on this movie. Like I'm I'm curious, like as as a, as a history nerd too, I want to know like, how was the scene by people who also went through that same thing you know was this kind of like a voice of of not a generation but you know was this someone kind of speaking up for for her contemporaries and in a way but beyond that you know the script was just i mean the pacing was perfect the dialogue was perfect um i thought the whole i did think the whole bit with her chauffeur being like her first husband and and stuff it felt weird like a weird choice um like maybe that was a little too much yeah, that didn't it didn't make any sense to me, like why that was put in. I do feel like that would have worked better if he was just kind of the butler, if he had this just kind of um loyalty. Um that when you add all that extra stuff, if I if I at the end of the day look back and look at it like as a bullet point presentation, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense thematically. Uh it, it doesn't it, it doesn't conflict necessarily with the narrative. Um, it just felt like an odd choice and it was a little distracting and, and like they were kind of just looking to throw in like a curveball there somewhere and it, it, it didn't feel like it really helped the story that much. You know, it, it was just it didn't really detract from my experience, but there there was a there was about a five minute period where I was like, huh? It went from it went from like, oh, I was for I was her first husband to oh, and I also directed all her early films and and I was like, yeah, it seemed like he, it, the story would have worked just the same if he was just the butler. Like he didn't need to be, you know, all, all this other stuff that he revealed. I, I don't think four stars is unfair. Uh, I still have yet to review this on Letterboxd, but I, I'm almost certain I'm going to give it five stars. And I'm probably going to throw it on my top 25 list. And I, I do need to see it again. And I, I probably will soon. Um, I, I was not expecting at all to love this movie as much as I did. Um, but I, I was just, I was halfway through it. And, and, you know, I, I was watching my son this morning and, and he was, he woke up from his nap. It's like deposit and I'm, I'm holding him and stuff. And I'm kind of like, I got to back to that movie. I, I, it's, I, I had this, this moment where I was like, did I just like fall in love with this movie? I feel like I need to get back to the right. I have like an itch that needs to be scratched. I need to see what happens next. You know, I loved all the story beats. There's definitely like a darker element of like this um, very unhealthy relationship 
between her and the main character, it, it was very emotionally abusive. And, you know, you, you see it kind of tie into her greater issues with psychoses and, and such. Um, but for a while I was like, I was like, I'm surprised how fucked up they're letting this get, you know, that she's like, where did you go at night? You know, who did you see? Or, or, or even when she called Betty, the character of Betty and was like, trying to be like oh i'm just a concerned third party you don't know me but i thought you might want to know about what your man does that even felt like a very modern i I was like shit i didn't know people did that in the 50s i thought that was i thought that was a cell phone era thing i thought that was a millennial thing holy shit that's that's um that's (laughs) are these time travelers going back in time i you know I, i i i hate to sound sort of um uncultured or, or un, you know, not understanding of, of how the, you know, how people in the past were just like us with, with less technology or, or with less uh, benefit of hindsight, you know, but damn, that, that felt like a TikTok era generation woman going on the phone and fucking with, you know, like being jealous and, 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 and calling and being like, you don't know me, but this is just a tip that your man ain't your man. Like, you know, it was kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You know, that, that one little story beat, uh, with the Butler was, was a little off to me, but it was so minor. I mean, uh, Oh, if I look at the big picture, this, this was almost perfect film. I, I cannot believe how much I, I, I fell in love with it. Um, I was really eager to talk about it. And, and I, I don't know, is this the first time you're responsible for me finding a new favorite film? I think it is. My God. Happy Um, to be of service. (laughs) Excellent pick. I mean, this, this is, this, I'll have to rewatch this again. This may for now be one of my favorite films of all time. I, I really had that kind of experience with it. I need to watch it when I'm not watching my son when when he's not like crying in the middle of it i'm like ah fuck i gotta pause it and be a dad for a while yeah i did something about it just just really resonated with me shall we uh move on to your pick so i picked and and um i mean just a, a very very quick backstory um i have i don't use the letterboxed watch list uh to keep track of movies i haven't watched i because I, I do the same thing with like books and, and other things. So I have a, an app on my phone um, with lists that I make lists of everything of stuff I want to see. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really big into literature. So I'll do this with authors. I'll do this with, you know, philosophers, whatever. Um, not that I'm a big philosophy guy, but you know, I'll, I'll do this stuff and I'll, I'll, ra- I'll put it through random number generator and I'll randomly pick something to watch or to read or whatever. And so when I decide I want to watch something new, Instead of watching the stuff I was wanting, because I have terrible indecision, I can never decide what I want to watch. I, I put it in a number generator and, and it picked um, Day of the Dead, actually. And, and I got like 15 minutes into it. And then I I looked it up and I, I thought I was somewhat of a zombie aficionado. It turns out I'm, I'm really not. Uh, there's so much I didn't know. But, but you know, the George Romero is kind of like the, the, the ultimate among zombie fans. Like he sort of cemented it and refined it the uh, horror subgenre and i didn't realize that day of the dead wasn't a standalone that it was actually sort of like the third film in a a trilogy so i stopped it and i was like well now i gotta watch them all um so i i stopped it and then i started watching night of the living dead and i first of all i didn't realize how old this movie was um 68 
I didn't know we were doing zombie shit in 1968. Is it just me? Like I didn't I didn't realize that. As a history nerd, I know like it really wasn't that Puritan. But I in cinema, it felt like it was kind of a Puritan sort of time frame. I feel like there's not you weren't able to get away with a lot. And even though as I said that, you know, to myself, I was like, well, there's also this movie and that movie and then France and whatever. There was some some doing some things and you know, nudity wasn't that uncommon really and you know kind of thing. But it still just felt, I don't know, you, you got a naked zombie walking around. Uh, you got, it's pretty violent. You get the gore. I didn't expect that from something pre-70s. Night of the Living Dead. It's, it's the, the legend. I had not seen it before. And uh, I didn't know it was black and white. I didn't expect that. Because I, I was when I picture the early zombie stuff, I, I've seen Dawn of the Dead, the original, from 78. And and that was the earliest one I had been familiar with before so when i when i think of like the really early zombie films i was always picturing something that that's very definitively 70s and and not not 60s i'm looking at the characters all look like they walked out of a kerouac novel and you know and it's black and white and i'm like what is wow this is this is not the time caps or this is more a time capsule than i expected um but yeah you know the the basic synopsis it's it's really not very complicated it's uh uh this woman, uh, who was my least favorite character, actually, I can't remember the actress's name. I'm too lazy to look it up, but it's it just the counterproductive hysterics. And, I, and I've seen people in shock before. You know, I used to work in trauma. I've seen it, and it actually was a pretty decent portrayal of shock. Um, but I, in a movie, it was kind of annoying to me. You know, uh, and, and I actually have more to talk about with with tropes on this one because um, it sort of established a lot of them. And I, and I had to try and put some, myself in a mindset where I was seeing these tropes for the first time, these horror movie tropes, because it's just so many. And they were beaten to death after this movie, just beaten to death. But, you know, it, it's this this woman, her her brother gets attacked in a cemetery uh, by a zombie. And then she runs into this nearby house. I think they're in Philadelphia, she said, or, or... Uh, Pennsylvania. Some, yeah, somewhere in Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry. Yeah, this Philadelphia is a city. Sorry, Pennsylvania. And she runs in a random like Pennsylvania farmhouse. And then another guy shows up. And he's like, oh, I'm also running from them. And they board up the house. And then there's people in the basement. And that they, they kind of go through what is now sort of a formulaic experience where they, they're trying to survive. And then problems prop up you know, pop up and then they try and deal with them. And then someone usually dies in the process and their numbers get whittled down. And then there's like a, there was, it wasn't a girl in this case, but there's like a final girl moment. There's like one person left alive at the end of all these tribulations. And then there's some kind of a conclusion. I mean, it's, it's a typical now typical horror movie formula, but um, I, I would like to hear your thoughts before I go off on my characteristic tangent. Go ahead. What do you think? So, um, yeah, like, I thought it was a good film, so I gave it three and a half stars. I can see how some people would give it four. I was I was sort of teetering between three and a half and four. I think I gave it a four. Yeah, yeah. so I, I can, you know, if I, if I, you know, if I saw someone give it four stars, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I had to factor in the, the, the impact it had on the genre. I mean, that, that does matter to me. Like you said, it, it is, we watch it now in 2022, and we're like, oh, I've seen this film so many times before. But you said you have to get into that mindset of this was, I mean, I didn't, know enough about film history to know if this was the first but it was certainly one of the originators it, it wasn't the first but it's i think it was to my knowledge is the first that was this impactful um, yeah and exactly. the sort it really sort of established the subgenre of horror the story was interesting because it didn't i mean on a surface level it's like oh people were trying to escape from zombies but it's you know it's it's about more than that because it's about the interpersonal 
relationships and like decision making and problem solving and okay you've got these seven people or whatever it is in this very confined space and we have to work together to find a solution can they do it um so I, I thought that was interesting to me the sort of human side of it as opposed to like for oh zombies are after so i i thought that was good um because you know it 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 showed the plight of like not just trying to survive because they could have just done it with, you know, um, uh, Ben, who was the guy you mentioned, he came in and was like, Oh, I'm running from these people too. And he, he sort of took on the leadership position. Yeah. He was fucking awesome. By the way, he was, he was the best character by far, best actor by far too. in that whole movie. Yeah. I could just focused on Ben and, and Barbara. Well, well, well sorry. I hate to interrupt, but I, I'll, I'll lose the thought of it. I'll say it right now, but, you know, as an audience member, you kind of put yourself into the shoes of one of the characters. It tends to be someone you could relate to in some way. Um, not that I'm I, brave. I, I maybe I, I don't know, but but you know, you kind of you end up sort of putting yourself in the shoes of of the main the Ben of the, the the leadership guy. And when you do that, I mean, Barbara's just fucking annoying. She's just fucking annoying, and, and I can't. Uh, as as a medical professional, I'm like, well, she's in shock. She's in blah blah blah. She needs blah blah blah. And, and but it, as a moviegoer, I'm like, nope, I don't care. She's fucking annoying. She's obnoxious, and I, I can't believe he's putting up with her. I can't believe he didn't throw her out of the door after ten minutes and be like, well, she's not getting it together. She's gonna get me killed. Bye, Felicia. That's really gallows sounding. I apologize. No, I, I know I fully agree. I mean, that's you know, I'll get to that a bit later about yeah, she annoyed the shit out of me. Um, but yeah, but I mean, they could have just focused on Ben and Barbara, right? They, they could have never been any people in the basement. But I think it was good that that was brought in because then it went from like, oh, two people who don't know each other to now, oh, okay, now there's a family and now there's these other people. And now, you know, it's it, so I, I, I liked that in terms of a characters in the acting so like i couldn't really relate to any characters i i do agree that ben was the strongest of the cast and and he carried the movie on his back almost by himself (laughs) yeah i actually liked helen who was the wife of harry yeah she was pretty good outside of uh ben who was played by Dwayne jones i thought marilyn eastman who played helen was sort of the lone standout for me and the acting you know again i i i can't hold it against it too much because i feel like of the other 60s films i've seen it's it's sort of reminiscent of that style of you know sometimes it was i felt it was flat and then other times i was like it's so over the top but again that's more of the era i can't i'm not gonna hold hold that against it too much but there were times when i was like major things would happen and no one sort of reacted and i was like what like there's a zombie trying to break in aren't you gonna like i don't know maybe are you gonna like scream or like attack them or do something or just like standing there with shock looks on their face i'm like do something but um you know that's it you know it's of its time um i thought the score was good i mean there was sort of you know constant you know music throughout background for me there were a number of, of shocking moments not so much like horror I mean, there were a couple of those too, but more like twists that I didn't see coming. So like, I didn't see, because I thought the film was just going to be Ben and Barbara in this house trying to escape. And then it's like, oh, there's people in the basement, you know, and, and, and then they, they go and try and escape, you know, with, with this car. Um, you know, there's a, there's a car and there's a gas station or a gas pump nearby or something. And and they go to that, but then the car catches on fire, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, I, I didn't see that coming at all because I thought they were going to escape, and maybe they'd go to one of those, like, rescue standards, and then that would be over on or something. So I didn't see the car being 
set on fire. Or like even, you know, the ending. I was surprised in a good sense that, because it said this was 1968, um, I was surprised that, you know, a black guy was the lone survivor. You know, like you mentioned, his final girl trope. Well, the final person was a black guy. Throughout the film, he, like you said, he was this leader. He he was assertive and he sort of took control and was like, hey, this is what we're doing. You need to do this, you need to do that, etc. So I thought that was quite, you know, pushing the envelope as such. You know, maybe that wasn't the norm in the 60s. Yeah, I couldn't think of anyone better for the role. That guy fucking killed it in that role. He was awesome. And even the, you know, even the, the ending, the actual ending where, you know, they, they sort of remain in the house, but um, uh, the the daughter. So there's Ben and Barbara who we mentioned, and then there's this family, the Cooper family, who is Harry, Helen, and they have um, a daughter, Karen. Karen, earlier, before the film starts, was bit by a zombie. She ends up transforming into a zombie and uh, bites her parents. Ben has to kill the two parents. Karen, the daughter, joins, like, the horde of zombies. Everyone else in the film sort of gets taken away. Like, Barbara gets taken by the zombies. Um, uh, These two other characters of of Tom and Judy, uh, well, they actually get burnt in the the car. And and so the ending is, you know, um, Ben locks himself in this basement... Uh, away from the zombies, and he emerges. Um, you know, after after they've all gone, there's a there's a you know a, a posse going around killing the zombies, and he comes. You know, he sort of comes to the window with this gun, and the posse mistakes him for a zombie, and they shoot him dead. And I didn't see that coming at all. And I think that was also quite a brave move because you know to your point of dark endings it alienates the audience you know i was so hopeful i'm like oh good you know he's there these people have come they're gonna save him great and then it's like oh he's a zombie boom shot to his head he's dead yeah the risk of bumming out your audience is a huge risk and and it's a risk now in 1968 i'm I'm surprised they let that ending fly it's an indie film is my understanding um so explains it, but it, but who did that age well? I watched that, I saw that ending, and I, I, I kind of like at the last second was like, oh, they're gonna kill him, you know, and then they did, and I and I almost like stood up my chair and applauded. I was like extra star just for that. Um, it, it's just it was a great it was a great fucking ending. It was it was like nihilistic almost. It was like all that was for nothing. The whole night was for nothing. You know, the forgotten story. No one will ever know what happened in that house. Um, because of a, a misunderstanding. I mean, it just, I, I was a fucking bravo. Excellent choice to do that. Excellent choice. So yeah, that's sort of my thoughts on the film. Said, good film. Um, I can see how for some people it would move into that great territory. Said, certainly very influential. Like you said, it set so many standards for horror and zombie films and everything else. So Yeah, the thing is, is that I, I was seeing a lot of stuff where I'm like, oh, that's why we have this problem now. It's because of this movie. You know, like, and I'm, I, made a conscious decision not to hold it against this movie. And it's so many things, you know, it's the, um, the jump scare, the, the fucking, you know, person's bit in the group and doesn't say anything. Although it's sort of excusable here. Cause I didn't know the one, the dad is like emotional and unreliable and certain to get someone killed you know, um, there's the fucking, nobody who tries to do the right thing which is the guy who was also in the basement um there's the the wife who is like the reasonable one you know there's the the main character who's like the 
the discovered badass, you know, like discovered some, like some leadership quality in him and kind of pulls the rest of the group together. But of course there's friction between him and the unreasonable guy. There's the eye candy. Yeah. Eye candy. That was, yeah, that's one way to put it. I, I looked at it as just a wet fucking blanket lying around the, the set all day. I'm doing nothing but staring at stuff with wide eyes. Um, Oh yeah, no, I'm talking about Judy, not Barbara. Oh fuck, I'm getting, same. I'm already getting confused. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, but you know who I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. You know, there's yeah the 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 plot moving forward by people making dumb decisions. Although it wasn't as bad in this one as as like in his next two films. It's, it's just annoying horror movie tropes that if if they weren't invented somewhere else, were going to be invented somewhere else. But this was a collect. This is a museum collection of them. And, and since this movie is so influential, I'm going to throw a significant part of the blame at it. Um, it's like the guy who invented the pop-up ad. He hated that he invented the pop-up. I wish he didn't do it, but someone was going to invent the pop-up ad. You know what I mean? You know, it, even not taking into account its reputation, um, it just still feels influential. Like it's just, it, it was a good movie, uh, especially when you learned, I don't remember the amount, but the kind of budget it had was pretty low. It's, it's a really good film. It really is. Um, and I can see why it was, you know, if I watch an influential movie that's famous like that and I can be, and I can watch it and be like, oh, now I get it. Then I think it's an effective film. Even today, I think it ages well, you know, um, do you, do you, do you want me to, to do the intro for this one or you want to do it? Yeah, you can. I don't even want to talk okay. about it. So you can do the intro for this one. So, <laughs> uh, I can only imagine how low your rating was based on the way you sneered at it when I mentioned it before we recorded, but, uh. George's pick, and you know, I'm always tempted when I pick for you guys when I'm recording to pick something just to fuck with you guys, and I'm not sure if that's what he did, um, but it kind of felt like it. Kind of, now I think he knew I was gonna like it. I like weird shit. I, I, I like body horror stuff, you know, and so he picked 2016's Raw, R A W, directed by Julia uh, Ducournau. I don't, I'm not good at. French pronunciation. I apologize. I, I'm sure I absolutely butchered that. Um, sitting at 3.7 average on Letterbox, sits up kind of Letterbox. Who cares what IMDb thinks? Uh, I don't know how high it's rated there, but who cares? It fe- featuring a bunch of actor actors I'm not familiar with, but the 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 main role is played by Gorance Marie Marillier. I mm, awful. Um, God, I you can tell I don't speak French, you know. But um, <clears throat> anyway, so she. Uh, she's she goes to veterinarian school, which is uh, her sister goes there and is like a senior, and she's going as a junior. And, um, and you know her parents, their parents went there. Uh, it's like a, a family of of veterinarians, and she is a lifelong vegetarian and almost militant about it. And she uh, she as part of these hazing rituals, she is peer pressured into eating raw meat. And it like awakens some dormant thing about her. I don't even know how to describe this. She, she just, she, it's like this genetically inherited cannibalism, I guess you'd say. She, she starts craving it, this insatiable, destructive addiction where she gets more and more like daring, I guess you could say, is a, is a, a sugary word for it. Um, where she she keeps trying to fight this urge where she wants to like drink blood and eat raw meat and and eat a person and 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 kind of stuff 
towards the end she finds out this is in fact like a family thing her her sister ends up murdering someone and like eating their leg she, her sister goes to jail and, and all that and uh and then the, the main character kind of finds out that this is sort of something that runs in the family oh boy okay so i know you didn't like it so i'm just gonna go to your first um we'll start on a high note so first of all the directing you cannot deny the directing was beautiful the cinematography was beautiful it was a technically very good film the shots like the, the shots of the horse running in not slow motion but sort of reduced speed you know i mean it felt like i was watching like the cell you know um it, it was just some really cinematically amazing moments the way it opens with the person who you've laid out find out later find out was the sister you know jumping in front of a car that sort of long take where there's a car and she walks up to the car slow. It gets up from the road, get, walks up to the car. Very effective cinema, cin, you know, cinema speaking. It was, it was very effective stuff. It was a very artfully directed film. Um, and sometimes I felt like I was getting like, like just a whiff of David Lynch, you know, like, like some kind of inspiration. Um, it, as gory and horrendous as or horrific as it was, it was kind of a beautiful movie. The soundtrack, such as there was one, was used very effectively. I felt, um, you know, it, it was it was used in a way that where it felt earned. Um, the characters felt relatable in the way they reacted to things, except for one one thing, one nitpick of mine. Um, and I have this problem with a lot of movies, and I, I wish I could think of an example off the top of my head. But but there are some movies where. The plot, like if you take a step back, the plot is only allowed to happen because authority figures did not step in when an authority figure would have in real life. You know what I mean? Like there are videos of this woman biting people. She's not asked to leave the program. This never gets to a teacher or whatever. I mean, like in real life, if, if this happened in real life, that was shit would have gotten shut down. But in real life now, you can slap people at the Oscars and not be asked to leave. So art imitates life. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But hmm. but good point. Yeah. 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 Yep. I don't know. It, it, it's it felt a little off in that regard. I was there's like one teacher that talks to her and it's about her cheating on a test. It's not he, ne- he never is like, hey, I noticed that while I'm talking to you about cheating on your test, you're eating most of your hair on your head. Do you want to talk about that? Like, you know, there's there's no concern there's no you know like a video of her literally or she makes out with that one guy and like bites a chunk of his lip off someone did that to me i call a fucking police dude what the fuck and then she's just like it's just like no one talks about it again like she gets kind of a reputation among the other students but there's no no one goes up what did he do stitch it up himself and be like oh we don't talk about that there there is like some stuff that doesn't hold up in my opinion if you think about it beyond the the expected sort of your expectation you know hold that in rein that in a little bit um but barring that one thing um it was very effective because it was a very gory film sure but it's not over the top gory like 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 Japanese body horror films it, it's so those movies are so gory that it's a punchline when some blood ha- like appears you know it's it's it wasn't like that it's very realistically gory like the makeup department did a great job but I mean it, I think it's a testament to the film that like look I used to work in trauma 
I have packed gunshot wounds. Um, I have treated people with, with traumatic amputations, car accident victims, um, motorcycle accidents. Uh, I even had a skydiving accident once. That guy was fucked up. Um, I've seen in my work, in my career, I've seen some gory shit, man. Dude, I've seen that shit. And this movie still made me go, oh, <laughs> Like, I, I, it was, ooh. normally that stuff doesn't get to me again, because I, I have a lot of experience or maybe it's just something that didn't bother me. And maybe that's why I'm able to do what I do. I don't know. It was really effective. It was, it was squeamish, you know, when, she, when they got to the, the finger scene, her sister has an accidental traumatic amputation of, I think it was her left middle finger. Like her sister passes out. And then the main character, like, calls an ambulance but then she's sitting there with the finger and she can't find ice and she's starts drinking the blood and then she starts nibbling at it and i was like <laughs> and and for context i i've cut off a finger about 10 years ago and i had it reattached and, and it wasn't doing well after a week and so i had to go and see a specialist i had to have some corrective surgery done it's not 100 percent compared to my other fingers but i I don't really notice it unless I think about it, you know, sensations just a little muted, uh, you know, I had some issues at first, but, but that was, uh, whew, that was fucking triggering at first, man. I was like, I, ah, it, it just, it took me back first of all to, to the pain and the blood, but also to just seeing like a piece of you not being attached anymore. Although my finger was, was attached by just a piece of skin. Still, it was kind of flopping around. Um, and, and if that is, if that is too gratuitous information for you, like then don't watch this movie. First of all, if you can't even hear me describe it, <laughs> that's, that's a red flag right there. But I, I, it was, Ooh, it brought me back to when my finger was hanging on by a piece of skin, you know, and, and I had to rush to the hospital. Um, but I will say, by the way, like, again, the makeup department did a great job. The way the finger bled, I can say from experience personal and at work, was very realistic. It does not squirt blood. You'll see that again in like Japanese horror movies. You see a limb flap and you see it spray everywhere. And it's not like that. Um, very vascular region though. And it just, it just pools blood out, you know, and it's exactly how it did. And it was very realistic. I thought um, very, very well done. Clearly a lot of research went into the effects, but um, I don't know. I, I thought as a horror movie and as, and it is kind of a, it's kind of a body horror movie. You know, if you hold it up against the genre, the actual like body horror genre, no, it's not like Tetsuo. It's not like, um, you know, the machine girl or, or Tokyo Gore police or, or, you know, whatever. It's, it's not quite that extreme comparing it to those movies. Um, it uses really kind of an economy of the, the gore, um, but it does it to such great effect that what you do see is, is extremely affecting. Um, and then the, the other big thing I'll say about this movie, and, and I, this is as much a testament to the directing as it is to the screenwriting, but between the, the scriptwriter and the director, they have mastered the plot reveal, the plot twist, the reveal, you know, the sister, when she found out and then you realize the sister is also doing this stuff, pl plot twist. I didn't expect that. Um, when you get to the end, by by then, by the end, I kind of had picked up that this was like a family inherited thing. It was too big a coincidence for the sisters to be doing the same thing. But but when the dad started unbuttoning his shirt, and and you see that I, I was just it was very effective. I still kind of saw that coming, but it was still very effective. The way that changes 
are shocking and that they, they come at you almost from, from, you know, left field where you're like, Oh my God. And then there's another moment where you're like, Oh my God, like she did what, or they did what, or, you know, um, you you realize the sister's the one who's been running people off the road and then like drinking their blood. And I was just like, Oh, this is getting so good. Like I, I, it's, it's just, they constantly kept me on the hook for the next plot twist. And I didn't expect that from this film at all. Um, the, the, the performances were phenomenal. You have to admit that just the quality of the acting was outstanding from everyone. I don't even, it's not even worth saying one person in particular because they were all incredible. I just thought it was a very, again, as a, a horror movie, as like kind of a gross out movie, um, it's set out to do a number of things. And in those number of things, I thought it was extremely effective. Now, if that's not your type of movie, I get it. Not you in particular, but like anyone, you know, if that's, if that's not someone's type of movie, like so, my wife could never watch that movie. She's really squeamish of blood. That, that's out. She can never watch this film. She'll, she'll pass out a hundred times. Um, but if you can handle that kind of stuff, like as if a person can handle that kind of stuff, uh, or if they're cl- inclined towards the horror genre where they like special effects and they like some gore and they like some unsettling situations, this is an outstanding film. I thought it was extremely effective for what it was trying to do. I'm still thinking about it. I'm leaning between four and four and a half stars out of five. I, I got to, I got to think about these movies that I saw. I got to, I got to probably post my reviews tomorrow. Um, So you didn't, you didn't like it. Yeah. So before I get into why I didn't like it, it's, you know, I said before that um, uh, whatever happened to baby Jane was such an apt comparison for Sunset Boulevard. And there's, you know, it's, it's, I didn't really have a comp for night of living dead because it, that was sort of the originator of so much. Right. So you can't really compare it to, to anything, but there's a, there's a film which I'll compare Raw to, because um, that's also a very apt comparison, I think. So it's called 2017 uh, Norwegian, um, called Filma. I'll, I'll just read the synopsis off Wikipedia, because I feel like that's the best description. So it says, Filma tells the story of a sheltered young woman who discovers she has an inexplicable power that materializes when she feels desire for a female student at her university. There, there was to this film like a sexual awakening aspect, and... and... Yeah, I see what you're going with. Where are you going with that? That was like an easy comp for me because I'm like, if this is exactly like Filma, and interestingly, both films are sitting at 3.7 on Letterbox, and I didn't like either of them. So <laughs> I gave Filma one star. Uh, I gave Raw one star. Um, sorry, not sorry, George. One star? That's so harsh. Um, <laughs> I feel it's harsh, but I, I'm used to that with you, so go on. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, <laughs> look, I just, you know, I was thinking of this before. There's certain films out there, okay, and more so sort of genre-specific films, which don't have a point, but don't try to have a point, right? So, like, if you take, you know, cliche examples, action films, comedy films, some horror films, right, there's no meaning or message or moral or point behind it. They're just there to entertain you or make you laugh or make you scared or whatever, right? There's no deeper thematic point however with dramas i feel that generally speaking not all the time of course but generally speaking there's a large number of films which in my opinion have a point or have a message they're trying to communicate some way i feel like raw was trying to do this i did look up because anytime i dislike a film especially when okay let me rephrase that Anytime I dislike a film that everyone else seems to like, 
which is the case with Raw and, you know, a lot of other films, you know, I'm notorious for disliking films that everyone else loves. I always look up a lot of analysis about it because I'm I'm interested to, because I, I always think, oh, maybe I missed something, right? Maybe this film had a point and I just didn't get it. So I always look up a lot of analysis. If it's a film that, you know, everyone else rates really highly and I thought it sucked, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to look up what this film is about and see what other people are saying and try to get my head around it. So I read quite a bit of analysis on Raw. So as you, you know, there's a lot of different interpretations. One you mentioned was this sort of sexual awakening. Other people were like, oh, it's just coming of age story. Other people said it's about... Um... Such an innocent sounding way to describe this film. <laughs> <laughs> just a deceptively innocent way to describe this film. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who were talking about, oh, it had a very, you know, feminist interpretation. I guess my my big point of criticism, as it is with you know, so many films that I, I don't want to say hate, because that's too strong a word for this, but so many films that I dislike and other people love, I come away, I'm like, well, what was the point? You know, like, even, even if I read this analysis, and I'm like, oh, she was going for this, she was going for that, I'm still like, well, I didn't get that, and that didn't, you know, that didn't translate for me. I'm like, so what What was, the, like, this is my big sticking point, what was the point of a film? To me, I, I, I don't, I can't grasp a point. And, and and I feel like she's going for one, but I, I, I can't get it. If I may, even at surface level, I feel like there's an experience here. Uh, even if you don't want to dive into the, the analysis and all the, the allegory and you know, whatever. Um, and this would be sort of my repast. So, okay, you know how they had those like paranormal activity movies and, and when they did the the marketing, you would, you know, and it was really quite clever marketing in my opinion, like looking back on it, whoever came up with this idea, I'm, I'm sure they got a big raise, but you know, the, the marketing, instead of showing like a trailer, they would show allegedly footage, night vision camera footage of the people in the audience jumping at the jump scares and freaking out and crying and screaming that if you're going, you know, those people, I don't think it's a good movies. Those movies suck. But those people in the theaters, assuming that those in fact are the people that saw the movie in theaters and it's actually real. Um, they went there looking for a particular experience. They knew what kind of horror movie it was going to be. It was going to be jump scares. It's going to get under your skin. It was going to shock you or whatever. They look like they're having a great time. Again, assuming it's real. I'm very cynical about this, but assuming it's real, they looked like they're having a great time because they went to see the movie they expected. Now, this movie, Raw, if you're expecting to be grossed out or uncomfortable, which some people like, in certain doses, I do like that too. That makes for a cinematic experience. Um, you're going to get what you're aiming for. You're, you're, you know, you get you're going to get what you're looking for, and you're going to get what the what the director is going for. You know, sometimes I sometimes I have to do this in order to get a good experience out of a film. But in this case, I, I got a lot more out of it. But sometimes you have to put it yourself into perspective or put it into perspective, like you know, for what it's going for. It's trying to make me uncomfortable. It's trying to get under my skin a little bit if you pardon the pun um in that way for what they were going for it i found it to be very effective now again i got more out of it beyond the surface level but even if you only if the surface level is all you have i feel like this is a very effective experience but 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 did you not get grossed out did you not get uncomfortable i mean (laughs) Oh no, totally. I mean, yeah, there were so many moments I had to look away, and I, you know, there were literally moments where I was like covering my eyes and my fingers. I'm like, I cannot watch this. Now, now, if that's again, if that's not your kind of movie, I get why even on the surface level, this was not for you. I, I can get what you're saying. Another comparison I would make, only for the gore and sort of freak out factor, is Suspiria, the 2018 remake, right? 
Now that I did think was a good film. It was a fucking weird film, but <laughs> it was it, it was a good film, right? A lot of fucking weird <laughs> films are good films, like like Inland Empire. That's a fucking weird film. It's a good film. So like that was that had gore in and had weird moments, but I was still like, okay, that's that's a good film because it had a point to me. Whereas this, I'm like, okay, I can get and I I didn't. I didn't know what this film was about, though. I knew it was about something to do with cannibalism, but that was as far as my knowledge went. So I went into it deliberately. I didn't want to know anything. So I I knew it would be about cannibalism, and I agree with your point that, you know, if the director's aim was to gross people out and make them have to physically turn away, you know, bravo, you did it. So you'll change your rating now, okay? (laughs) No. (laughs) But, you know, it's... I, I, I don't believe that, like I said, maybe, and I, I know we, we had this conversation before you of us on, on WhatsApp a while back, you know, maybe my problem, I mean, I have a lot of problems, let's be honest, <laughs> but maybe this problem is I always try and look for meanings in things where I think the, the director or the author or whoever is trying to communicate something they said sometimes sometimes you can watch a film and you're like okay there's no fucking meaning here it's just a, a thing that passed the time to entertain you whatever and I'm like this i'm like i can tell she was trying to go for something and i and i've looked up what she was trying to go and actually read an interview with her specifically um which talks about the film um and i'm like okay i can i can get what you're trying to do but it just for, for me I, I couldn't draw meaning out of it and and even as if I'd have looked at it as a story. I don't want to say predictable, but I, I could see where it was going. You know, quite early on, I was like, mm, yeah, I can see, you know, like I was connecting the dots. I was like, oh, okay, um, she got that rash because she ate raw food. And and, and then, the, uh, then the father, you know, and I, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of when people do this because I find it to be very, like... Um, uh, this is too strong of what I'm going to say, but it's sort of like calling the audience stupid where like the father makes that statement to her about something like once animals get a taste for flesh, you know, that's it. They have to have it at all times. So I'm like, okay, cool. So she's going to, you know, she's going to have some flesh and she's going to become a cannibal. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's in the family. Cause like you said, clearly the sister is, is, you know, you can tell something's off with her. I will agree that the actual final ending thing of like him unbuttoning his shirt and you see all his fucking his chest is half eaten or whatever. I was like, whoa. Where he's like, he's like, I'm sure you'll find a solution. And then it just ended and I was like, <gasps> breath taken away. Like, <laughs> what a great choice the way <laughs> yeah. they filmed it. It just didn't, you know, I just couldn't really draw a point out of it. Um, the story was unique in the sense of, I don't know that I've seen a film, I mean, I'm sure, you know, cannibalism is not a new theme. I'm sure it's been done by plenty of films before, but I haven't seen a film that's done that. Um, so the story was unique, but it didn't really grab me. The acting wasn't a big fan of. I will give one compliment. What? The acting was marvelous. Maybe the sister's performance was a little weak. I Maybe the roommate. That's as much slack as I'm going to give you on that one. I, I, I feel like the acting was fantastic. I thought it was amazing. The main actress was good, I guess, but um, I, oh, I, I will I, say I thought the score was good. I thought she was way more than good, I guess. <laughs> I maybe that's just a difference of opinion or observation, but I, I thought she, I thought they were incredible. The perf- I, I do think the score was good, and I thought that theme that like constantly like when I don't know when she was like eating flesh or when she was about to, and that like 
like really like sort of bombastic theme. I can't remember if it was like synths or piano or what it was, but it was like this really like orchestral thing. Like when that came in every time, I was like, that's cool. And I regret, unfortunately, I have a, oh, I have an incredible sound system, 9.2 Dolby Atmos, all that stuff. But I had to watch this at very low volume because I was watching it in bursts whenever my son took a nap, basically. Because I'm a stay-at-home dad for the rest of April, and then I go back to work, and uh, uh, I didn't get the full effect of the, the sound. I mean, I heard it; it just didn't wasn't able to have uh, that kind of impact. Um, so I, I will need to revisit this when I when he's with his grandparents or something. But um, yeah, it just didn't. I just didn't didn't connect to it. But um, you know, as we know, I don't like a lot of films that everyone else likes. So I'm just staying true to form. <laughs> you're mean and full of hey jason yeah i am i am you're the wild card of the bunch yeah that's the best descriptor for me i'm I'm the wild card although although we have all had moments where we had rated low a film again i i rated and i got into someone with letterbox over this well not not into i it was a civil two comments you know it was, it was a civil disagreement very simply he was he was very good um, but, but, you know, I, I rated land of, or not land of the dead day of the dead. I give a very, like a one and a half. I, I don't sit in a 3.7 on letterbox. I don't know how people like that movie. I, I guess this is how you must feel sometimes, but I'm like, I don't, I don't see how anyone could, could enjoy this. Um, I, I, it has no redeeming factors almost. Um, what a piece of shit film. I can't believe people. And, and then, and then when people like say it's a masterpiece and you're like, Am I taking crazy pills? I, am I? Is this an alternate? How the fuck? That's basically how I feel all the time with the majority of films <laughs> that I dislike. Yeah, and then I'm, and then I'm like, is everyone else just dumb and I'm smart, or am I? Is everyone else just smart and I'm dumb? Fuck, I don't know. I like to think that I'm I'm smart and everyone else is dumb. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else. It was I, I think for me anyway because I liked raw um I, I thought this was a really good crop of films to talk about uh sunset boulevard was in my opinion an undisputed masterpiece um raw was close to being an undisputed masterpiece i, I thought it was pretty close to masterpiece Dad. day or uh, night of the living dead was not a masterpiece by modern standards but but very influential and kind of one of the, the important films everyone should see if they like any kind of horror yeah what, what a good sort of week for movies for me personally of the films you know the other co-hosts has picked i've really only liked uh perfect blue that was you know i thought that was a masterpiece and actually no i like i i did like Acura. i didn't i mean you know george and i didn't love it as much as you but i i did think it was a good film there there is some nostalgia for me uh because i did see it when i was younger um I maybe I read into it too much, but I I, I seem to be reading it into it the same amount as everyone else. I I think it was a technical marvel for the time when it came out. I just thought it was a really effective film in every possible way. I I it, to me it is a masterpiece. I could see how it's not for everyone. But like every other film that's picked, like I'm not the biggest fan of. Like obviously I hated the red shoes, much to George's chagrin. I still can't believe that. I still can't. I still shocked. The Wild Bunch, I thought, was average. Um, Falling Down, I wasn't a big fan of. So it's like... Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yet to, I'm yet to... You know, the only real hit has been Perfect Blue. So hopefully one of these days I'll like a a film 
picked by the absent co-host as much as I liked Perfect Blue because uh, yeah. Raw just didn't do it for me. So I think that wraps up episode 23. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love it if you would give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we'll see you next week.